Welcome back, peeps, to Perfect.dev, where we give you cats the freshest dose of dev snacks. Now with your amazing hosts, Alex Patterson and Brittany Postma. This episode brought to you by Storyblock. Build anything and publish everywhere. We're all like bopping. It's so funny, like I'm watching Mike's face like before we got going, I'm like, what's happening right now? I'm told I need to smile, and apparently if you smile, you need to show teeth, so... Yeah, it's about, about as I got good as I get. Oh, that threw me off so much. Uh, welcome back, perfect peeps, to perfect.dev. Um, today on the show, we have Mike Hardington from Ionic. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Mike is yeah. a DevRel, and if you've heard anything about Ionic, I'm sure you've met Mike or seen him at a conference. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Because I'm not doing it justice. <laughs> Sure. Um, so I work at Ionic. I do DevRel, but that's like a day job. Uh, I like to build furniture, build guitars, play guitars. Uh, currently working my way through Elden Ring about 100 hours uh, <laughs> in. Still feel like I haven't hit halfway yet. So uh, oh, yeah, yeah that, that's about, about what my life has summed up it, uh, right now. <laughs> that sounds like Elden Ring. Yeah, getting through, yeah. getting through Kaled and uh, not enjoying it. This is why I can't start these things. I lost like years of my life on Zelda, so I'm not touching it. The best way someone described it is like, Kaled is like Australia. Something's trying to kill you. <laughs> yeah, snake. Uh, what, are they, what do they call the koalas in the tree? Like something monkeys? Killer monkeys? What have we... <laughs> I don't know. We have derailed. I don't know. We've we've gone to a weird place, but <laughs> uh, so Ionic. How did you get involved with them? I feel like you were like fourteen when you started working there. Um, uh, off by ten years, uh, I started like using this. So I found them pre one Like they were still working on the framework. Um, I. So I kept like subscribed for all the updates. I was answering questions in the forum once it finally released. And then like I was just so active doing that than my actual job. Then I actually like applied for a, a role there and they were like, sure. Um, so I've been around since like not day one because I won't I won't I won't take that much credit, but I've been around <laughs> since the very, very early days and uh just started off as a user and really, really like what they were doing and still still there doing a wild rides. That's really awesome. So I, I think like Max uh, is a founder, uh, Brody somewhere in there. There's probably a few others floating around that were there when you got there. Yeah. So there's Max and Ben who are the co-founders. Um, one part, one of Max is the engineer uh, ben was the designer, so starting off, we had people who were really uh, great engineers and had a really good taste for design, so everything was pixel perfect as much as it could be. Uh, Brody's still there uh, doing some like sales work and uh, leading up a team over there. Um, and I think that's, I think that's it for the people who were there when I started. Nice. So, so my, for... my employee number is very low. Yeah, we'll give you like five or something. <laughs> uh so for those who don't know and they're joining and saying uh what's this you know web show all about what is ionic can you give us kind of a little brief rundown of what ionic is and maybe what it used to be before like ionic 2 all right so i will i will do the i'll do the modern stuff first because it's the easiest to digest um it is a uh ui toolkit for building cross-platform apps that can support uh, native iOS, native Android, uh, or progressive web apps. And it can integrate with frameworks like Angular, React, Vue, no framework at all, if that's how you want to roll. Um, we give you the components, the UI, the, the gestures, the animations, everything that you kind of need to make a complete experience um, by just providing a set a set of components that already know the stuff out of the box. Uh, pre like two point, <laughs> pre like the early days, um, 
it was specific to AngularJS. Um, after migrating to Angular 2, we did that for like two major versions. Um, and then we rewrote everything from the ground up as uh, web components to support Angular, React, and Vue, and whatever framework uh, might come next. So this is this is probably a good segue because you have a bunch of OSS projects. Um, I I would love to share um, kind of more about Stencil if you're up for talking about it. And I'll yeah. throw it on the screen here. So tell me tell me about like Stencil and how you were able to use that to build some of these components. Out. Yeah. So. What Sentinel is, is a build chain compiler, however you want to like think about it, but it is a way for you to write web components in a um, higher level abstraction. Uh, it provides you like a familiar React, Angular, Vue kind of like API that will um, generate custom elements for you. Uh, but then as part of the build chain, it will go ahead and generate the appropriate framework bindings for you as well. Uh, the way frameworks work, they don't fully understand web components out of the box sometimes. So this is a nice little way to work around that. Does this uh, provide, it's more declarative code? Is that what we would say? Um, From the web, web component API? Yes, and I, I would say yes, um, in the sense that all if we actually go to the trying to find a good page because I am on the same page as you. Uh, if you go to docs up in that top corner, uh, and then in the sidebar in the my first component section, right at the top. So this is like if we want to zoom in on that real quick because this is like the real like the simplest way that we can think of a component. Um, so we. First off, have this at component decorator, which will allow you to set the uh, element tag. So this is where we'll say our tag name is my hyphen first hyphen component, uh, opening closing. And then we have the class that goes along with that component. We have some uh, render methods for returning like the JSX or the template of our component. And then we have this at prop thing to allow you to expose attributes or properties on the component that you can then read inside of your template. And once you create this, if you just wanted to use it as a strict web component, I drop it directly into like an HTML page or is there yep. any other requirement? You, 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 no, you, you link to the JavaScript file and uh, you just go ahead and throw that into your uh, HTML. And that's, that's like, how the future was supposed to be, right? Like no more frameworks. We got these web components thing. It depends on how people how you see the uh, see the future. Um, everyone kind of has different opinions on where web components fit into the stack. Um, you know, potentially controversial. I don't <laughs> think like anyone should actually be authoring comp web components themselves. I think it should be like a behind the scene thing that frameworks would adopt, and that is how they have their components get processed. Uh, how I write that component doesn't have to actually be something like that or um, the vanilla web components API. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like I have not seen, other than Lit and some other projects, uh, as extensive use as like Stencil is. Do you get a lot of... Um, I'll say feedback uh, for using JSX or are people pretty okay with it? Um, I I didn't like it at first. Okay. I am. Uh, I are was you poking not... the bear? I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> There's a lot of mixed feelings on JSX. He, he's, yeah, he's, he's saying that because of me. Like, I'm not a fan of JSX. So. I, I'm not a fan of it in the sense that it feels, felt weird to like, row in JavaScript with my quote unquote HTML. Really, it's just the markup. Um, but at the end of the day, it's it's not a deal breaker for me. Um, and I think most people in the community were uh, of that same mindset where it's like, it's an ends to a means. Uh, you know, however I write my component, it doesn't really matter. Just give me something that I can write. 
And I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but um, at Builder, they have this open source project called um, Mitosis, which mm. you write that in JSX as well. But as far as I'm aware, and maybe I'm completely wrong about this, it doesn't create a web component right away. It can, but it also creates a bunch of other uh, framework components. Um, and that's all done through like, transpiler is the wrong word, but like you have to write a thing that, can take JSX and put it to like an Angular component. Is yeah. there like an advantage of you guys going straight to a web component for all of like the Ionic framework or any other framework? Um, I would say in the advantage would probably be if you're using a framework that can support web components out of the box, there's really nothing extra needed. Yeah. Um, if you're using, if for like, for example, like Svelte uh, supports web components right out of the box, we could create a component and then just throw that right into a Svelte project and we're done. Uh, we don't need to have like an extra compilation step. We don't need to have like uh, what we call um, output targets uh, set up. Um, where we have our output targets, the way that it kind of is, you know, more beneficial is what ends up getting generated is actually these very slim um, wrapper components is maybe a bad way to describe it, but like these thin proxies that uh, provide the information for like what properties can this component um, support, what uh, events does it emit, and then the components can just kind of um, exist in their own kind of bubble, more or less. Yeah. So I know like it's like a long time to get the React portion of that done. Is there, I don't know how much you worked on it or others. Um, how, was there a reasoning for that? Is it because of all the re-rendering that occurs in React or what was the pain points there of taking your web components and hooking them in? So I didn't work on the React uh, stuff altogether, but I do know the stories behind why it took so long. Uh, is because React one doesn't differentiate between events and uh, props or properties, attributes, however you want to describe them. Um, everything exists at the same level. Um, you just have events, and then you have to proxy those events through some some method internally. I'm I'm blanking on how it's actually done uh, behind the scenes. But there was just this really weird disconnect between how React expects a component to behave and how a web component expects to behave. And those two things, they don't, uh, they don't add up all the time. So I think behind the scenes, what we end up doing is creating, um, we create a, a React component that renders the, the internal web component. And then we are just passing along all the properties uh, and events and setting up the bindings for those events and manually managing them in each of the React components. Um, so like an if my memory React serves me right. <laughs> yeah. So React is really a good use case for where the output targets or these like kind of like wrapper components make a lot of sense because things in React are very unique. <laughs> <laughs> I love how nice he's being. No, oh, it's good. That's good stuff. We all like it. It's bad. It's unique. Yeah. Um, so with that said, I, I'm still like, I've always been challenged mentally, like for the pros of kind of using web components and then having to write the wrappers. But on the web component side of things or the stencil side of things, the great part is that you only have to write these one time, correct? And right. style them and like all that sort of thing. Yep, it's all written once at the uh, stencil level. And then as the build process kicks off, we take all that information and we generate the uh, right outputs for each framework. Uh, and it includes all the styles for you, whether that just gets thrown in as one giant string or it uses more modern approaches like uh, constructible style sheets. Nice. Okay, I think what we're gonna do is pause a minute for our sponsor, and then um, I'm gonna show like the components page and maybe talk about the new Ionic 6 stuff, so stay tuned. We know that creating content can be a tedious balancing act. 
Developers want flexibility to make seamless digital experiences, while content teams need the tools to work independently. We make changes and are left to watch everything fall apart. We met our limits using plugin after plugin and waiting weeks for edits. All for this. We knew it was time to rebuild the blocks. Storyblock gives marketers creative control and use a visual editor to actually see what they're doing. And developers are no longer restrained to a set of technology. Storyblock has made it simple for each market with localization and personalization tools and allows you to publish content on all channels and all devices. Truthfully, we all wanted the same thing, to deliver the right information to the right destination at the right time. All this music. <laughs> Music's good. Thank you, Star. I wasn't the only one who was like in the background. Just dancing to us. like. I know. It's like, like soothing, this. like nice little yeah. energetic music. I feel like our ad's working because every time we get done with it, we talk about the music. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. And thank you, Storyblock, for sponsoring. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Storyblock. Um, okay, so we were talking about kind of the components, and I wanted to show off just the front page, uh, maybe. So we have the front page here, and what this dives through um, into the docs, there's the UI components. And this is this is probably the meat of Ionic, if you will. There's a lot of like other things like router and stuff like that. But when you start to look at the UI components, at least originally, and you can correct me on this, Mike, they're really styled for mobile first. Um, and after they've kind of grown, are you to the point where you're okay supporting desktop as well? Um, yeah, I mean, most of the components, um, I, I guess the way we could think of them as like being like atomic pieces where they are fit for one particular use case. And then if you wanted to scale them up for like a desktop environment, um, maybe you include a few uh, CSS media queries, uh, and then it just works. Um, but you know, for the most part, everything kind of feels right at home uh, across the board, no matter what uh, device you're trying to target, be it mobile or desktop. So they're easily customizable. So is this considered a design system? I like to consider it a design system because um, it, it includes design. like it includes like all like the low level blocks for like how do you set global or you know global CSS. Uh, and then scope everything down to all the individual like uh, components themselves and how that whole inheritance kind of works. So we got you know our tokens, I guess we can call them, uh, as CSS variables. And then each component can have their own uh, different CSS variable that modifies uh, like what it inherits. Oh, from. are we using CSS custom properties? We are, and oh, shadow parts. Incredible. Yes. Yeah, so here's an example. Um, so since we're talking about React so much, here's here's what it looks like as you're using these. Um, and then the stencil side of that, sorry, it's probably really fast. So normal React-looking components that you can use, wrappers around things. It's very, very straightforward, um, just like any other component library that you've used. The cool part. Uh, in talking with like the styles and things, it's device deterministic too. So yeah. It, if it's on iOS, it knows to like match that pattern. If it's on Android, it knows to match that. And the other thing on that is you can make um, that pickable, at least you used to be able to. I think you still can. Um, you still can. So you can say, even though you're on iOS, I want it to look like this because I like that look and feel better. So nice. Yeah, all the uh, all the the components aren't that different between uh, each like kind of version. So like. Android over here, or material design, you can see it's like that little um, indicator underneath everything that gets animated around to the different platforms. If you go to iOS, that concept still exists. And so the styles actually become pretty easy to adjust for each platform and just make slight tweaks here and there. Mm -hmm. yeah, All really these cool. also are you know, accessible, uh, keyboard friendly, voiceover friendly. Uh, the wonderful things that everyone should be doing. Yep. Yes, definitely accessibility first. Since we were talking about Svelte earlier and that it accepts web components by default, could we take the regular 
what were you to the stencil code and just put that in a felt file and that just works or how? So in that case, actually, there is a pure JavaScript version. So if you scroll up just a little. Oh, OK. Yeah. Um, and you can that just put is that like, in a script tag. Yeah, you just show that right in the script tag. And then right um, inside of your Svelte component, you, uh, I believe, depending on uh, which version you are importing from, you're, you just throw in the imports for the components. And then those are available uh, right inside of uh, your Svelte component. Interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. So that's that's the power of web components. Um, so something that is interesting, and maybe we can demo. I'm not sure what you have uh, prepared for us, Mike, but uh, Max often talks about how the web is going to win. The web is winning, even on mobile. And there's some like mobile critics of like using web on mobile. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that, and maybe one of your other OSS projects? Yeah. Um, so like the other, <laughs> perfectly timed, so uh, the other uh, project that we have working on is this one called Capacitor. Um, so the way Capacitor like kind of fits into this is we provide a collection of APIs that allow you to access native device features and produce a native iOS and Android app. Um, but all of your UI, all of your actual app like you know the meat and potatoes of the app that's all web from the from the top down so you are loading up uh your web apps and then importing different javascript packages to then call uh native apis directly from javascript so in this one uh, we have like local notifications um and i i challenge any native dev to uh, tell me that managing and creating local notifications, uh, tell me that 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 is easy because it's not. It's actually very very difficult. I just, I just want to point out that's Mike. That's Mike. He's doing the challenge. We're not because I don't know. That that's oof, that's a Twitter like heated thread right there. Okay. Tell, tell me I'm wrong. Well, like go to geolocation, for example. Um, this is another one that that is all it needs. That's all you need to do uh, geolocation that supports iOS, Android, the web, um, but also hook into the native permission models that exist on those platforms. Um, you are showing a native prompt. You are letting people know, hey, I need your location for X, Y, and Z reasons. Um, and then when you're done, you just get back the location data. That's it. That's Versus all. native iOS, I, I have I have a demo that I've built and have like tried to show off and show how complex it can be, just to get location data. This extracts it all away. So uh, capacitor, like we have navigator location that you can grab mm -hmm. people's um, locations from in the browser. This is different though, right? Like this is actually on the device. Right, so uh, Capacitor is context-aware and platform-aware. So it, if you're on a browser, it'll use the browser's own uh, geolocation API. So it will use navigator.geolocation. But if you're on iOS, it will use uh, core location, and it will actually uh, prompt the correct native-style prompt versus if you've done it before, um, you get like, index.html would like to request your permission inside of like a native, uh, like old school, like Cordova app. Uh, Capacitor manages that for you. I'm really glad you brought up the Cordova thing. What what was the major shift for Ionic to move away from Cordova and create the, their own project out of this? Uh, so we had like a lot of ideas that um, maybe didn't make sense in the context of Cordova. Uh, considering they're part of Apache, there's a process, they have, um, for good reasons, they have a way of doing things that make sense for them. With with, uh, with us, we wanted to have like a way to like try these ideas out and to move a little bit more quicker. And that kind of, you know, spurred off the first version of Capacitor. And when we saw people were actually, you know, using it and enjoying it, uh, you know, we threw in more investment into it, trying to make sure that we can get this to be like a, a full-blown like platform that could you know potentially replace Cordova or succeed it uh, depending on how you look at it. 
Nice. And that was probably more just uh, speed and maintainability than it sounds like as, as things were moving so fast. Yeah. I mean, if you talk to anyone in like a native landscape um, each year, it's like new versions to the native languages, new updates to the way packages get maintained. Um, if you think JavaScript moves fast, it, yeah, <laughs> check out the native ecosystem. It sounds to me too, like it's like waiting on the CSS working group to approve something that goes into like every browser engine and that slows down a process massively. So you took that piece out of it. So you're able to just do things faster and iterate, iterate over it, things. Iterate faster, um, not have to be tied down to a, a full uh, process. Um, love Apache and everything that they do, but the process can lead to some stagnation or just uh, slowness to react. Um, so we wanted to move a little bit quicker. Awesome. That's awesome. I, I feel like, was there a Telerik product at 1.2 that was supposed to come in there? I know there's phone, phone gap and then Cordova and Capacitor. I feel like there was one other one floating around. Native script, is that a thing? Yeah. Yeah, native script. That was a thing for that was a Telerik thing. Progress, um, Progress. company names. Um, <laughs> oh, is that uh, the Kindle it, UI people? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why I knew that. Okay. Uh, they actually uh, donated it to the OpenJS Foundation, and now um, good friend of ours, Nathan Walker, and uh, his his company at N Studio, uh, they are the technical stewards for that project, and. Um, are, I would say, giving it a second life and a second chance. Um, like they're doing great stuff with it, and a lot of respect to uh, them and you know, maintaining an open source project, uh, which is not the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. Is that components, though, or is that a capacitor relationship? Like uh, I would say this more capacitor uh, relationship. Yeah. So the way that they have things that get exposed to the runtime uh, is, is is different than how capacitor works. Um, they don't have a, a plug. They don't have like a, a an abstraction around all those APIs. You could call those APIs directly, but you also are limited to. I now have to have the iOS version and then an Android wow. version, uh, versus having everything kind of like be managed through the abstraction. Nice. So your your JavaScript abstraction layer takes care of like a lot of things that and attempts to do like what not attempts is doing what Cordova and, and others have done in the past. Yeah, That's more cool. or less. Cool. That's awesome. Um, I have one more thing and then I promise I will release Mike to do his thing. Um, I, it's in code. I saw some Ionic 6 announcement. There's some cool stuff in here. Do you want to Tell me your favorites or like what's coming. Yeah. So we had six and then we also had a 6.1, like I think two months ago. Oh, um, I missed that. So we move fast. Um, a lot of what six ended up being was like refinement over what we had in our uh, previous major release. So like we updated a lot of the design languages to match what the current standards are. And this is a really, really perfect example here of the header and footer. Um, if you kind of notice when the scroll is at the very, very top, there's no border between the header and the content area. But then as you scroll, that border shows up and kind of uh, sets some separation between the content and then the header. Uh, it's a very, very subtle change, <laughs> but it's, a, it's how the design yeah. spec works. It is those subtle things, though, that you almost don't even notice that make an app feel native, that make it feel better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, hats off to uh, Liam DeBeezy and the rest of the framework team for getting all this stuff done because it it's some complicated CSS and a lot of work to make all this possible. Um, so, like, we have the modal themes in there, the pull to refresh, so that way, as you start to pull, the progress bar kind of like follows the full action, which is mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> um, that is incredible. 
probably the one that I really, really like is uh, inline modals, which if you followed around with how Ionic has worked before, the way we have things done is like we have this modal controller, which allows you to programmatically create the modal. Uh, instead of doing that, we can just store that inline and then you know, control how that gets rendered, uh, all driven by markup. So it simplifies the approach needed to get something rendered out to the screen, which is really, really nice. And then also date time, uh, which <laughs> that was date time. date time in JavaScript. Date time. Oh, just date. I think that that one on the state of JavaScript survey for the thing that needs the most updating or that people want the most is like better temporal API support. Yep. <laughs> yeah. it, is, um, it is a rough API. Uh, it's gotten a lot better than what it has it been has. in the past. Um, it might not need something like Moment or DateFNS in the future, or you know, maybe <laughs> today, depending on what browsers you support. Uh, but it's still it's still a rough API. Mm -hmm. I I heard a good one. I can't remember what podcast it was on. I think like JSX J, JS something. Anyways, JS party. Yeah, maybe. Um, they they were doing a date, and if it was like February, and you put February thirty first. I think the Chrome browser puts it as March 2nd. It just like corrects Auto to like that day. And first like Firefox, I think it fails or something like that. Or like bounces back and gives a negative. Interesting. I'm like, man, even that like as basic what? date stuff as that is just troublesome still. It's kind of one of those things like what's a better fail when you try to put an invalid date or just assume an autocorrect. <laughs> right. I feel like yeah. fail would be better. I, I feel for like me, a fail but... would be more <laughs> ideal. Yeah. Why are you going ahead days? Like, what if it's a leap year? Does it skip correctly? I believe <laughs> it does. So, like, <laughs> if you did the same thing, it, it just goes one last day in March. Oh, geez. Okay. If it's a leap year, you just you just hope hope for the best. <laughs> that was that was one of my first projects I had to write in school. Like how it's every four years but not on the ones that are divided are divisible <laughs> by 40 but every hundred years it goes back and every century you skip i'm like i still you remember just broke my brain <laughs> no there's like all these rules behind it it's like oh my gosh fun to code because i learned a lot like i didn't do it but like oh as my someone God. who went to school for art i'd rather go to school for art than have to deal with that yeah, man, you didn't have to write COBOL. That's fantastic. I just had to, I just had to sit, sit through critiques where every single piece I made was just ripped to shreds. And even that seems more preferable than dealing with dates. <laughs> I totally agree. Well, Mike, are you going to show us something fun with Ionic? Uh, yeah. Get the screen share going. While while Mike's doing that, I'm just gonna chat with you, Brittany. What do you what do you think of Ionic? I know you haven't dealt with it a lot in the past. Is it something you would use if you had like? Yeah, I'm actually app? really intrigued by it because like having those native things, I'm like, oh, what can I use that on? Like, can you you can use this on native web apps? So you can make like a PWA and use that on a phone, and it would look like a native app, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued. The cool part is like you can use Electron, use it on desktop that way, use it on a browser, and that their styling kind of works all the way across all that stuff. So it's really nice. cool. Nice. Yeah. And he said media queries. So just throw in some of those for the bigger screens. And yeah. Is cool. it going to be like when container queries come out? Is that going to be a thing where there needs to be a rewrite or is? Probably not. No. We'll probably just be able to, you know, incorporate them as we need, or uh, let users uh, add them to their project. Nice. I'd be nice. interested to see how that would uh, influence Ionic. <laughs> like, what you, what could we do? You got them going crazy <laughs> now. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we'll pick dealer's choice: uh, Angular Reactor View. Ooh. Which one would you rather see me code in? I'll go React because I yeah. write in it too React? often now. <laughs> All right, well, we started we started off with some uh, React stuff, but we'll uh, stick with that. Do you prefer this view or larger like that? Uh, go with the other one. Okay, I can always bump the font size if I need to. Uh, I think so, we have. 
so many React users is yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> we'll stick with that. Cool. So let's start off. Uh, we're going to start a new project. Uh, we're, I'm going to assume that people have the Ionic CLI installed, but if you don't, npm install g at Ionic CLI. CLI That'll give you everything you need. What's that? CLIs are the best. They are. It's it's. Oh, you're going to regret saying that because we're going to we're going to spend a lot of time in the terminal right now. <laughs> uh, so Ionic start. Uh, we are not going to use this app creation wizard because we have. Uh, terminal UI that we can use. So we have all the frameworks that you could uh, possibly pick, as long as they are Angular, React, or Vue. <laughs> um, <laughs> one missing will... from that, but you just got to uh, use the JavaScript, right? Just got to use the JavaScript. Um, <laughs> we'll pick React. My name, uh, we'll do it uh, perfect app. Uh, and then we have this huge list of like different kind of styles that we could use. Uh, for instance, if you wanted to have uh, basically nothing in a single view and single route, you have a blank. Uh, list has some data populated it. Uh, we have this My First app as like a guided tutorial starting point. Side menus, because I love the side menu overlay uh, and tabs, um, which, you know, think Twitter. Uh, we'll go with the blank example, and it's going to go ahead, download a few things. And if my internet is going to behave, we'll let this uh, run real quick, and then we can talk about what's going on in the background. The I was going to say your camera hasn't buffered once, so it must be pretty yeah. solid. It's <laughs> Hardwired just internet connection. Yeah. Um, so what this is doing is, first off, installing capacitor stuff by default. Um, so all of capacitor is just given to you by default. You can use as much or as uh, little of it as you would like. Uh, it has no impact on the actual uh, stuff. Um, get some NPM warnings, because why not? So uh, it's packaged all together. You get all of Capacitor. Does that like tree shake out if you don't use it? Or how yep. does that? Yeah, if you're, if you're not using it, it'll automatically just you know remove it from the bundles. But we include these few plugins by default. So the assumption here is that we are going to be making a mobile app. Um, so we provide plugins for uh, haptic feedback. If you tap on something on your phone, we should you know, make the phone vibrate a little bit. Uh, we can provide uh, information on the app itself, like more detailed uh, insights to operating system, what's the UID, all that interesting stuff. Keyboard, because keyboards are a pain. Um, and then status bar to actually control how the status bar uh, looks and feels inside of your app. So okay. while that was running, it's already done. Uh, we can see behind the scenes it created all this good stuff and committed it for us because uh, you should be using version control. Is this using we... uh, Create React app or what kind of React is that using? So this is using our own stuff behind the scenes. But what we end up uh, having set up is just create React app uh, and React scripts uh, internally. So it's the same environment that people are used to using. React router. OK, that yep. that was my next question. So OK. So yeah, let's go ahead and uh, instead of running like npm run start, which you could totally do, uh, we have an ionic uh, serve command, which behind the scenes is just running React scripts. That's going to go ahead, set up our dev server, wait for it to actually be ready to go. and going to give it a second, warm up the dev server, because it's starting from a cold start. <laughs> there we go. And now our what app is What does up and it use for the dev server? So since this is React scripts, uh, behind the scenes, it's using uh, Webpack dev server. Webpack, OK. So we don't have any opinion behind uh, tool chains and what uh, stuff you should be using. We just defer to and whatever you could framework is using. Maybe inject and like use it if you want it, or could yep. you switch it out for V or I have experiments that I'm running for V. Um, <laughs> the Vue ecosystem is really eager for V. Uh, React ecosystem hasn't shown so too much. much interest at the moment, but I feel like they'll see the light. Yes. <laughs> uh, but again, you can use React scripts and just once you eject, 
you're just managing all of the um, starting the dev server. You're you're basically managing everything. Yeah. Um, so be very sure that that is something that you would like to do. Uh, from here, you know, it's just a straight up React app. We can come over to our index.tsx. Uh, we have our React DOM render. We're rendering the app component. App component is where all the actual stuff comes into play. Uh, so obviously, we're using React Router because uh, it's the de facto router, essentially, for React. Uh, we have some Ionic components that we are importing, and then this Ionic React Router wrapper. So the way our navigation kind of works behind the scenes is it essentially creates what we call stack navigation, uh, where a browser could have like single navigation points for your entire app history. Um, native apps have stacks where you could have um, stack A, which holds home, detail, sub-detail, and then you could have stack B, which holds um, messages, message detail, profile, and then you could have all of these things exist independently from one another. So we have some stuff that we do behind the scenes to add that into our React Router and just give that to you for free. So instead of a route, if you're on like a native app, it uses kind of a different form of routing where you can group pages together, sort of. Let's, let's kind of just type it out real quick because it can be a little confusing. So tab two could be um, yeah. messages, message, and then that could also point to profile if you wanted it to. So all of these things inside of tab one, these are all different, you know, well, let's just think of them as like child routes. Mm -hmm. And they are all managed by this one individual tab. Inside of tab two, it's also its own um, top level route. And then all of these are managed by tab two. But these two are not going to conflict with one another. They can exist independently, and then you could swap between them as you need it to. Can they communicate with one another? You can, in a sense that there would be something like uh, a parent tab component. A provider. Or um, no, it'd be a full-blown like React component. So you would have like a tabs component. And then all of these at this point would just be you know, children of that uh, parent one. And then you can communicate through that and pass things down. Gotcha. Uh, probably using providers uh, in top-level uh, context would be uh, a better solution, but you could do some prop drilling if you really want to. Okay. <laughs> um, we have all of the standard uh, uh, styles and CSS that you could use for this app, uh, structure, typography, normalization, uh, and then these optional uh, CSS um, utilities that we provide. I like to think of them as like tailwind light. Uh, it's not going to give you everything, but it'll give you setting your padding, your margins, uh, flex utilities. That way you don't actually have to remember CS, uh, Flexbox. So they give you CSS custom properties that allow you to do that? Or how would you use those? Like, are uh, they class are just, utilities? Utility yeah, classes? so like padding would give you something like ion padding. OK, yeah, uh, I, I see. So classes, ion, utility ion, classes that you are, can use that would do that stuff like Tailwind. That's yeah, yeah. Okay. And if you don't want any, any of them, Delete them. Take them out. You can just take them out. Uh, use your own best uh, judgment. I was like, that's a lot of CSS. <laughs> if it's a lot of CSS, we can do this real quick just to make sure it uh, looks better on the screen. There we go. Easier. We just that's everything? everything. That's oh, everything. Oh, wow. OK. Um, much easier to read. It's one of the first things I tend to do for my projects just because I hate looking at all those lines of code. Mm -hmm. uh, but we give you the you can choose everything that you would want. Can you can you do like post CSS on that? You could. Um, it's like a, uh, it's up to you to set up to yeah. get. Yeah. Uh, we, again, we don't have any strong opinions on that. Yeah. Um, if you have better opinions, go for it. Mm -hmm. uh, we we try to stay out of that game. Uh, we've done it before. 
it's not a fun game for us to be in. That's probably <laughs> um, uh, a good choice for a framework. Smart idea. Yeah. Um, and then this is like the last little bit of CSS, which is just a variables file, which sets up the uh, main tokens that get used throughout your app. So all of the different theming. So uh, if we want to make, well, let's jump ahead real quick. Uh, let's go to our home page. If we want to make that toolbar uh, color equals danger. So now we can all, just update that. All of those work as props and you can yep. pass them in as props. Okay, cool. Yep. Uh, I, I was very is... intrigued by this and seeing it work with Svelte because we have style props where you can actually pass the CSS custom property as a prop on the component. So you mm -hmm. could probably like change these like inline if you wanted to in Svelte. You could. Um, I, I'm a fan of good old fashioned CSS. Mm -hmm. So you could just throw in the CSS again, if that's how you would like to do things. If you want to do CSS and JS or style props, uh, you, you could do, do that as well. Sweet. Um, I will take the very diplomatic approach. Like, sounds like a great idea. Why was that danger J? Uh, because I am terrible at typing. Oh, it was still red, and I was like, but it said Danger J. I was like, what yeah, does the I J was just, mean? Command undo. Um, okay. But actually, let's go back to that Danger, because we have Danger here. Um, let's do a quick little change and go to light mode. The red that it is right now and the red that it is in dark mode is subtly different. Nice. I don't know if it comes across well in the stream, but... The red that we have here ends up being like this pretty darker shade of red. Mm -hmm. um, so we have like the main red, the RGB value, and then the shade and tint for it for um, changing like what the border color should be. So that way it's like a nice little accent. Uh, but then in dark mode, because we have media queries, we can just change that to be something a little bit lighter that feels at home in a you know, dark environment. Very nice. Is my preference for all of this. I have terrible eyes and I don't like the light. Um, the light. If we want to actually show like how some of this stuff can work, um, we could take this and you know we'll stop the dev server because more most of that and everything that we are showing here, it's it's actually not that impressive because it should feel like you're using any other React UI library. Uh, you're importing some components. You have. Mm -hmm. um, properties that you get, uh, can set onto the component itself, different uh, modifiers for how the uh, title should look. Let's actually install what's called Caster Geolocation, and we are going to also install iOS. And then we'll run npx cap and iOS. This is going to go ahead and uh, create a native iOS project for us. Mm. Uh, you don't need to have Xcode set up if you are would like to do this. Um, if you do want to do this, you need to have a Mac for, uh, for iOS. Blame Apple, not me. <laughs> Did you say you don't need Xcode? Uh, you kind of do. You don't okay. have to open it. So oh, I'm I just going to open it real quick because I need a... I need to set a key real quick. Um, I'm just going to add a row. Uh, and the only reason why this is good to see is that this is managing all of like the native permission models. So location when in use, uh, I would like to know where you are. And that's our location. And then we completely can close out of this um, actually, let me just double check that that's saved. Yeah, uh, let's close out of that because the less time I spend in Xcode, the better. Um, totally agree. Let's, let's go ahead and deploy this to say a simulator. So I'm going to run first a quick little build just to make sure that um, I have something to display inside of my app uh, when I deploy it initially. This is just do a quick little uh, production build. I would like it to not do a production build, but production by default, I guess, if is a better option. If you option. had a choice, yeah. 
really like it to not be a production uh, build. Uh, but with that done, we could do Ionic Cap run iOS and then pass in this like little dash dash library load flag. This is going to do something really cool. Is that like Nodemon where you watch the files for changes? Interesting. Yep. So here we have our picker um, for all the different simulators that we could target. So I'm going to do a Pro Max because not go for the largest phone that they actually have. Uh, it'll go ahead, start up the dev server for us. It'll also go ahead and behind the scenes, create the native uh, configuration to deploy to that simulator that we picked. So in a moment, we're going to double check to see if this uh, is going to launch. Uh, Xcode does tend to take a little bit uh, on cold starts. Mm. Um, so we're just going to sit here, kind of wait patiently. Do you guys want some more music? We have, we have music. We have another, do we have another ad that we can run? I, I could probably rerun that ad, but no, oh. Mike, uh, if Ionic is, is looking, like I said, we could right here. Right here. Ionic. This right is there. your sponsorship spot. spot. And then we could play <laughs> Dance Pop, I guess. Ooh. Well, I don't like Dance Pop. <laughs> How about feeding the ducks? <laughs> I don't know it's if that's coming be. through in the stream, but I like it in my headphones. Yeah. Is it coming through on the stream? I, I did my first live stream today on Twitch and I want to do like music behind it. So I need to figure out how to like add the music. Crank it up. Heyo, the simulator is now up and running. Okay, requisite fun can be stopped having. If I could figure out so. how to put the background music on. <laughs> Totally just derail everything by having music get played. It's a vibe. Right? I it's appreciate vibe. that. <laughs> cool. So our app is now running on a simulator. Now we get all the nice UI changes. So this feels like a nice, um, a nice native app. And you know, to make it actually get some native functionality, I promise this is the first time I've ever done this. I have never, never. Uh, done this before for any kind of demo. Um, so you just stuff. know all of the things by heart and can... By heart. That's why my last name is Hardington. I know it all by oh, no. heart. <laughs> uh, trust me, it, it, it gets painful every single time. Um, so what we're doing here is we are setting up uh, this geolocation uh, class First, we're going to request permission because we are good developers. Uh, and then we are going to uh, call get uh, geolocation dot get current position. Uh, we'll say cons, well, we'll just go chords, we structure that off of it. And then console.log uh, chords. I won't go ahead and try to do any of the UI updates because I'm not, not that gutsy. If you don't uh, request then, permission there, does it it'll force fail. you? Okay. So it is on purpose. Um, in fact, I should probably be do it a little bit differently and like have this wrapped in like a dot bin to actually mm -hmm. catch that yeah, error handling. Um, actually, let's do that real quick. Because that will fail eventually. Oops. Is there a catch in there somewhere? I mean, technically, we we could just do we could just have we could do try catch if we wanted to. Uh, we're just going to do it like this. We're going to do nested async. Not going to be the nicest code that you're going to look at, but it's going to be code that'll run, and that's really all that matters at the end of the day. <laughs> nice. Uh, but we'll just use uh, use effect in here, and then uh, call get location. Then now it's running, and because this is oh, here we go. Allow perfect app. 
user location, we have our actual prompt from uh, what we entered in an Xcode. Mm -hmm. Allow once. And see it up here. It's actually calling the native location services and providing the location detail. And if we were to let's see, I'm going to try to do this real quick. But not to DevTools. And actually, let's just reload that real quick so that way we can see it again. You can see because the location has already been, uh, the permission has already been given, uh, we get the accuracy. Uh, this is not my actual location, so don't worry. I am not doxing myself. <laughs> but we have now also the ability to debug all of this together. Uh, oh, see nice. like what's going on in here. Uh, so that's just like a nice little added benefit, and we can see the entire structure. I do also like that web components show you like the component name, like it's the custom component in the DOM. Mm. And that's it's a really nice that. like if we were to like look at what we actually are authoring inside of our React. Mm -hmm. This is pretty dang close to like what gets rendered on the output. So feels right at home for, uh, for for web developers. And what you actually write is actually what gets rendered. Yeah, that's awesome. Like it. Cool. That's my demo. That's really I cool. now have a native IS, uh, iOS app. So I was I was trying to follow along, and um, I'm, I'm stuck at the NPM install. Does that usually take quite a while? How far we, along? We... How far along in the npm install process are you? Because I ran npm install a couple times. Um, I I did the uh, blank starter and then it took off and so it's doing ionic integrations, enable capacitor, quiet, that command, and then the npm mm -hmm. install, and it's just chugging away. Are you on a wired connection or are you trying to stream a uh, stream a live show been. and install at the same time? <laughs> I have that 300 one. up and down. It should be all right. We have a question too. So uh, you said I need a Mac to do this. What is supported for Windows users? So that's Xcode and that's Mac specific, right? Yes. So Xcode, anything that you want to do with iOS is going to need a Mac, unfortunately, um, because Apple. Apple uh, is Apple. But you, yeah, you could, um, if you are on a Windows, you could do things with Android, uh, which is cross-platform. So you could do... Windows, Android Studio, uh, it's all available to you. Yep. So, and you you also said when you were doing that demo that you can create that without opening it. So if you wanted to create it and not edit anything in that, you could actually create the Xcode file yeah. for your so, app. Yep, actually, if we, if we uh, I guess we could do it real quick. We had an Ionic Cap add Android, and it would go ahead and let this run. It's going so the, to the first one the was add iOS, and that one, mm -hmm. but you opened it in Xcode, but you technically don't have to open it in Xcode, right? Nope. So okay. with this being, uh, this being Android, I could just run uh, whatever simulator I want to use, and yeah. it'll go through and call the right tools to uh, go ahead and uh, deploy oh, okay. to an Android simulator or a real device. Awesome. I'm not going to run it because Android simulators are <laughs> even more slow than iOS. Sometimes. Yes. I found on my Mac Studio that everything runs smooth. I highly suggest it. <laughs> I'm still going off of a 2019 MacBook Pro. Oh. Intel, but it's got 32 gigs of RAM, so... Yeah, the RAM helps Chrome tabs I could open? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had the first M1 for my first laptop or my last laptop, and it was like, oh, that's 16 memory. It's just brutal. So I think now uh, we're like transitioning to our perfect picks because we're talking about all these fun. That's true. <laughs> fun things. That's exactly what we're going to do next. So here comes our perfect picks. Um, Mike's pick is actually up first. Yes. He has a fun show. Okay, so for for folks definitely in Canada and in the U.S., uh, if you've ever heard of a show called Letterkenny, uh, hilarious about dairy farmers in Letterkenny, Canada, this is the spinoff of a character named Shorzy, 
who is a foul mouth hockey player in like a triple A league uh, where he is in dead last on his team. Um, and he you now has a heartwarming story where he wants to get his team to win and never lose again. So definitely watch it. It's hilarious, if not for the random uh, slang or jargon that gets thrown around for hockey players. Um, <laughs> Apparently, th what they call trash talking is chirping, oh. which I had never heard before. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I guess I'm going next. I usually do Brittany. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so Angular 14 came out. It's got some pretty awesome things that are occurring in it. My favorite thing, though, is typed forms. So this... That's your favorite thing about something oh my gosh you have <laughs> no idea if you've written there's it. a history for type forms in oh. angular and it is so good to have that in there okay now, i will say like everything is set up now to do um i shouldn't say more react so you can do components without modules as well i can't remember if that's a feature flag or not do you remember mike it's what they call developer preview. So they're not saying that they want people to try it out first before calling it done. Um, so it's in preview right now. You can actually use it, but a lot of the tooling and uh, automation behind the scenes are not done yet. So if you are going to try it out, uh, you have to manually migrate your components to be standalone and uh, do all that yourself. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. So I know like the, the engine that's behind everything, 14 was a big deal. It's going to set up the future of Angular. And then it has a ton of other little niceties that were added, but seriously, typed forms. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is by Josh. I'm going to say Cameo. I always, Como. I Como. Yeah, see, I always mess it up. Como. Thank you, Josh Como. Um, so you can type in like find no why why can't my type i thought you could type i guess oh it's so. one of those keyboards that <laughs> you have to push them there was a twitter thing going on about like those keyboards that you have to press instead of typing so unfortunately like it's not like a keyboard keyboard even though it looks like it in the layout but this, what what's cool about this is you can say oh what is, what does the triple equal actually do in javascript and it's just a cool way to go, oh, that's the JavaScript operator for this. And he kind of breaks down like what it does. And you can just go through and like check these different things out. I thought it was a really huh. neat way to like, especially if you're like new to this, to like see operators, especially like this. I don't use Bitwise ever. I, I would like, say hey. I have n never even heard of that before, but that would have been good to know. Yeah, exactly. So there's cool stuff like that. Um, is equals equals? Yes. So this is one of my favorites. The nullish coalescing. I can never remember the name, but uh, try, I love try saying that during a conference talk. The nullish <laughs> coalescing. I love it though. Like it, it sounds so sophisticated. <laughs> what do, I feel like? Uh, I feel like in the Microsoft world, we used to call um, arrow functions something else. I, I'm drawing a blank on it. It was it was really fancy too. Anyways, I'll Lambdas. What's that? Lambda function. Is it a lambda function? I was like, I was gonna say that, but then I'm like, no, that's an AWS. That's thing. Like, like serverless oh. functions right. or lambda. I forget what. There's another language that uh, I, I mess around with, and they have that, and they called lambdas. And for the longest time, they're talking about like, oh, with new lambda functions, you can do so many fancy things. Um, uh, and I was like, what is a lambda function? And then I saw it was like, uh, instead of like an equal, like a an arrow and like an equal sign. It was a like a dash in an arrow. So I was like, oh, the fat arrow function. Oh, <laughs> that's all it is. That's, that's when I've heard the fat arrow function. Yeah. yeah. Brittany, all right. next. Over to mine. So we were already talking about Mac and Windows. So I use a Windows day to day. I have a gaming PC and I stream on that. And I also have a MacBook for work. So Synergy allows me to set up one as a server and one as a client. And I can take my mouse from the edge of one screen and it just transforms to the client on the other one. And it is incredible. It is so fast. Like it's imperceptible as long as my internet is not going out. <laughs> 
I'm curious which one runs like which one I, I run the server on Windows, but you can do it either way. That's really wild. I'll, yeah. have to, I'll have to try. Can you go Mac to Mac with that? Yeah, you can do any two computers. Anything can be a server and a client. So it even does Linux, I believe. Is, is there a fee or it's yeah, a buy it now? I did, I did pay, I think it was $20, $30. Yeah. Nice. That's really cool. It's not too expensive. So, and you can run up to three computers on that $29. Um, this is probably not your pick, is it? That is not my pick. That last one is my pick. So I'm oh, picking something for React. So oh, that's probably why your thing uh, was stuck on npm. Was well, I was, I was just gonna this. say. So if you're oh. following along with Mike and you answered yes, it will take you to this screen. But I I quickly realized it and got out and then went back and did it again. Ah. So I'm trying to take notes for you guys to follow along later, and hopefully you can. He's doing such a good job with all this Notion <laughs> stuff. You will see. Much more later. Okay, this is my last pick. React Summit is coming up next week, this week. I, I don't even know. There's tomorrow. tomorrow. It yeah. starts tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. and I, I saw a familiar face in there, so I thought I was. Are you not in there, Mike? Is I it... am in there. I gave a I gave a workshop. You already gave oh. the workshop, but it's. I already <laughs> gave the workshop. Um, but you can watch okay. the replay later on. You can watch the replay later, and there's lots of fun cool people in there and another conference to go and see. It, I can't, I it can't is a fantastic conference run by amazing people. I just saw Facundo in there. Facundo is from Storyblock. We had him on before. There's like lots of cool people there. So definitely go check that out. There we go. That's his typical that picture, folks. That's that mug. <laughs> I used to think it was anger, but now I just know it's hilarity. It's just, it's yeah. just confusion. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I have Go a back face, and look at the smile it. earlier. Oh, Mike, you rock. Uh, thank you. <laughs> you are hilarious. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on Perfect Dev. And uh, next time we sync up, we'll do karaoke again, if that's, if that's cool with you. Uh, that's a promise. Awesome. Karaoke. Long story. I'll tell you later, Brittany. All right. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks so much.